lobe oral fiber. I don't think you should drink that. Hello. I'm holding it like an inch or two in front of my mouth. It looks bad for you. <laughs> you need to get backwards. Nonsense. It makes me feel great. Like I could. Can I keep his head for a souvenir? Take all the world. Alright. I like it. Hello and welcome to another independently published episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber, the show that would never leave you for a year to go find ourselves in Europe uh, while you struggled here at home with our fragile controlling parents that are really just kind of struggling with each other uh, as much as they're struggling with you. Anyway, I'm your host, Ben Helms, and with me as always is my Riot Girl listening co-host and big brother, Jason Helms. How are you doing today, man? I, I went through a channel, a channel. It's called a channel. Sorry, uh, random game reference, but uh, I'm doing oh. well. Uh, this game hit my nostalgia sweet spot, and uh, yeah. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, you started, I think, like a half hour before I did, and you were just constantly texting me while you were playing, like, "Whoa, this poster with this thing, this magazine with this thing from our childhood, and this thing. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Uh, so I had to jump in, bought the game immediately when you started playing, and, and jumped in right behind you. Uh, but yeah, so uh, today we're actually keeping things recent, like we have done a lot in 2017. Uh, and we're talking about a game that came out this decade again. It's kind of weird, but I promise we will get uh, back to our roots, the Malf roots, and get back to our kind of more beloved classic 90s games uh, later this year. Uh, but we saw this game, we kept bringing it up more and more, and we had to play it, and that is 2013's Gone Home, right? Absolutely. And a um, couple reasons that you need to go play this game before listening to the rest yeah. of this podcast. Uh, so first off, it takes place in 1995. Um, so it fits in with the general LucasArts nostalgia feel that we've been doing. Uh, second off, it is uh, kind of a spiritual precursor to Firewatch. If you liked Firewatch, yeah. you're going to love this game. Um, and um, it's also the designer, Steve Gaynor, uh, listed among his favorite games, Sam and Max, Monkey Island, uh, things like that. And it really shows. So that's all I'm going to say about the game before we get to our spoiler alert. So here it is. We love this game. But so much of its joy involves its surprises, so go buy it right now. You can finish it in under three hours easily. So don't listen to another minute of this podcast until you do. Uh, we'll wait. You can you can come back. All right. Uh, you're back. You played the game. I'm proud of you. Thanks for taking that time. Good job. Uh, yeah, we should have a... How do we not have a spoiler alert drop? I don't know what that's going to be, but I, whatever it is, I'm going to put it right here. Yeah, who's responsible for that, huh? And there it is, the spoiler alert drop. That should be in every episode many times now. Uh, I feel like whenever we have a, a guest on, we mention it four or five times, spoiler yeah. alert too. So yeah. that's always fun. So look forward yeah. to that drop. Uh, but yeah, so uh, today, uh, here's the, the breakdown for the show. Like normal, we're going to do our, our little fancy intro that we just did. We'll talk about some of the uh, the history of the making of. Uh, we'll talk about the gameplay. Uh, we'll probably spend a lot of time on that. Some of our theories about uh, the plot and the storyline and that kind of stuff. Any of the... Uh, the threads that still might be loose. Uh, and then we're going to actually throw in a new segment, and that is a quiz that we don't really have a cool name for other than quiz. But Jason and I are going to quiz each other about the game. Uh, and then after that, we're going to have a nice toothsome round of what's the beer, what's the song, and then we'll be picking next month's game. So let's get into it. Uh, so what did you know about Gone Home before we started playing? Uh, I really wish I could remember. I knew that um, it had themes related to a queer teenager. Okay. Um, that, that was like, I saw it in the news at some point years ago. Uh, 
some former students had told me that I had to play it. Um, by the way, again, I teach a video, a course on video games at the college level and the course is themed around gender and sexuality. Right. So yeah, it's, it's been on my list for a while that I needed to play it. So I didn't want to read more. I also knew just from art and the kind of general vibe of the game I got when I saw the cover of it is that it looked really, really creepy. Yeah. I was expecting a kind of horror type thing. Yeah. I, I knew basically it was firewatchy walking simulator type game that was easier puzzles than like classic LucasArts games. Like I'm not going to be sitting there stuck for hours trying to figure it out or or wanting to cheat at all. Uh, And it was nice also to play a game that we didn't have to look up any hints on. We didn't even ask each other hints. We just kind of played the game through in two, three hours and it it wasn't frustrating. Anyway, we'll get into the gameplay later, but yeah, I didn't know a lot about it again, other than the, the cover, which looked like it might have horror tropes in it, but uh, let's get into the game or the the making of. Then we'll get to the gameplay. So Steve Gaynor is the man kind of most responsible for Gone Home. Uh, he was the lead for the game. He was the co-founder of the Fulbright Company uh, that he founded with Carla Zamanja and Johanman Nordhagen. I apologize. That's pr- probably all four of those names are mispronounced. But um, he basically he was working at Two K Marin and Irrational Games, working on uh, the Bioshock franchise. I think he worked on Two and Minerva's. Den? Minerva's Den, I think is what it is. As you can tell, I played every Bioshock many times. Yeah. But yeah, so he worked on Bioshock for a while, left then, uh, or left uh, 2K Marin uh, and talked to Carla and Johanman to say, hey, basically, uh, do you want to do an independent game with me? Do you want to start an independent company and just kind of work on uh, this one game with me? They said yes, luckily, and they moved to Portland with him and all lived in one house. They lived together and worked together in this one house in Portland uh, just to kind of lower the costs, get rid of distractions, and make Gone Home. Yeah, and uh, there's actually a fourth member of the crew that doesn't always get mentioned with them because uh, she was not living in the house, but it's the uh, art director, Kate Craig, um, who developed all the art for the game. I, I don't know if art director was the right title, but she is the one who did all the original art in the game. Um, she was the Ollie Moss of the group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's actually, that, I believe that is her title nice. uh, in nice. the credits, uh, which is weird. Just like time wise, which is um, it kind of sucks that we played Firewatch first in the sense that <laughs> this game came out first and we're going to do a lot of mentioning and referencing to Firewatch and, you know, Vanneman and uh, Rodkin did a great job on Firewatch, but they would I, I haven't heard this, but I think they would be the first ones to say, yes, we were inspired a lot by Gone Home. This game is really derivative of a game that came out two years later. <laughs> exactly. So let's say that if it sounds like that in this podcast, we we know this game came out first. This is a great game. So. Uh, another credit we should mention off the top is Sarah Grayson, who did the yeah. voice acting for Sam, who is yep. 95% of the voice acting for the game. Yep. Uh, and, uh, she's a, a, an actor or actress from Portland, uh, and also actually is one of the lead actors or voice actors, uh, one of the lead talkers for the game Tacoma, which comes out or came out two days ago on August 2nd, uh, what, two no? days before this game or before this wow. episode comes out. Yeah. So. Uh, and we will be playing that as well. It looks, again, like another walking simulator type game. Uh, yeah, so we will be playing that. I don't know if we're going to play it this fall necessarily, but we will be playing that as well. Yeah, walking is dangerous, and I'm glad that we have these simulators to help us through that process. It's nice. It is really nice. So, uh, yeah, just like Firewatch, uh, Gone Home uses the, the Unity engine, the game engine that I build games on, my uh, my collecting <laughs> spheres game that I made in my half-hour tutorial of the Unity engine. Uh, and which is immediately apparent in the first few seconds of playing the game. Like it feels like a distant cousin or no, a very close cousin. I should say it feels like the sibling of firewatch, uh, same controls, 
even simpler. Uh, the the graphics look almost identical. Very simplistic. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, engrossed. The score I thought was amazing. Yeah, really subtle, but also worked uh, very emotive, very engrossing. Uh, and Chris Remo, uh, who actually co-wrote the Cave with Ron Gilbert, dun, dun, we need a mm. gilly drop because there's your your weekly bingo card, uh, Ron Gilbert drop. Um, so fill that out. Uh, Chris Remo also also another Firewatch um, crossover composed the music for Firewatch. So if you like that, you probably like this same guy. Uh, and now Remo works uh, with or on Idle Thumbs podcast with Jay Krodkin, Sean Vanneman, a bunch of game creators that we thoroughly appreciate. And yeah, so getting kind of more into the, the behind the scenes of, of Gone Home, Gainer said he tried to kind of walk the line of warm and scary, which I thought was interesting because, yeah, we yeah. talked about the cover of the game. The image is like, a, it looks like a haunted house. It's black yeah. and purple. And, and it, it, the, even the, the logo for Gone Home is kind of has that handwritten note because there's a lot of handwritten notes in the game. There's a Ouija board in the game. So there's like a ghost feel to everything. Uh, but yeah, at the same time, you start the game by coming home which is normally yeah. a warm experience. And it's, if you don't live in Portland, then you think the rain outside that's happening in the game is scary. If you live in Portland, I've lived in Portland, you know, it rains there every day. So, um, you also have this kind of abandoned home because there's seemingly no one there. Uh, and you have this, this very uncomfortable, I guess we can spoil it, right? There's no one there. Yeah, uh, you know what? Let's, let's go ahead and spoil from now. We haven't spoiled anything yet, but yeah. from here on out, if you decided to, to tempt fate, <laughs> it's, it's on you. We already ruined the game. Uh, no, but it has this very voyeuristic feeling that you're watching these things happen. You don't know if you're going to stumble upon a murder. You don't know if you're going to see a ghost or what's happening. But at the same time, it's never terrifying. You don't think you're playing Resident yeah. Evil, right? And there is absolutely nothing scary about the game. Yeah. Um, so that that's the really interesting part of that is all of the tension, all of the fear is completely produced by the player um, putting th- different things together. Yeah, and another kind of the main reasons that it's scary to start out is the fact that all the lights are off in the house, which is pretty terrifying because it's this giant mansion. All the lights are out, and you have to go around turning on all the lights, which at one point, I don't know if you were ever annoyed by turning the lights off or turning the lights on. I was too scared to be annoyed. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, so again, even turning the lights on was scary. Yeah. Uh, But I like the fact that it wasn't just every room you turn the switch on. You had to kind of find them sometimes. Sometimes it was the closet light, that kind of thing. But Gaynor said something interesting in an interview. I think it might have been the GDC conference uh, where he said uh, he used the lights as a way to let players mark their progress along the way. Oh, that's smart. Which I had not thought about at all. What's really funny is I was so worried that I would go back to rooms I'd already been in that I was like, okay, I will make sure that I open all the drawers and leave them open so I know when I've already checked something. It's like, wait, he already figured that out for me. That's awesome. I did did it with uh, cassette tapes. Anytime there's music, I was like, oh, I'll make sure I leave this on so I don't don't have to come back into this room, which I turned the lights on in that room, so you'd think I would have understood that. But um, uh, they have the note upstairs from, I I think, well, I don't know if it's from one of the parents to Sam, saying, Sam, stop leaving the lights on. Yeah. You're as bad as your sister. So good. Which I love. And apparently they had one of the playtesters email Gaynor saying, like, I turned off every single light along the way. Like, why is this note? And then they're like, actually, you know what? I've been away for a year. Katie probably realized, learned her lesson somewhere in Europe to turn lights off when you leave a room. She became more responsible. Yeah, absolutely. Character development before you even start the game. Um, Okay, so it's not the quiz yet, but quick question for you based on lights. Okay. There is one light in the house that you cannot turn turn on. It's broken? Is it? It's in the closet in the basement? Uh Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Did you find out what was in that room? Uh Uh-huh. 
What was it? It was like a little train or something? It's a, a toy horse, and there's a story behind it. What's the story? Okay. Do we want to get into this now? Yeah. Or do we want to spoil the whole thing? Okay. So I'm about to well, reveal how... something big to you. Is this big? Okay, yeah, go for it. This is huge. So if you've played the game, you enjoyed it, it's great. Uh, here's something you may have missed. Uh, first, Ben, you alluded to it earlier, uh, but what was the mom situation? The mom situation? She yeah. worked, she was like a forest service person or... Yeah, and the the marriage was troubled from yes. both sides, right? Yes. What was the trouble on her side? Uh, is that she might have been having, probably having an affair. with Right. And if you actually worker. read all the notes, evidently the coworker Chris is not having an affair with her, was going to go with her to a concert and then bailed on her and then uh, ended up marrying his girlfriend. Okay. And Carol uh, and was like, not a help okay. at all. No, she was no help. No Jeez, help. Carol, Carol, come on. Come on. Um, now, on the other side of things, Terry. Terry. Writing his books, devolving into alcoholism, yep. living that perfect Stephen King life. That's right. It just seems like, you know normal kind of marriage stuff yeah but there's a dark secret there yeah normal normal, <laughs> normal marriage, marriage destruction stuff, stuff. by the way hey, uh, th- our marriages are fine they're fine i drink a lot and i write is that it's not, great it's basically the shining up in here it's great yeah yeah it's perfect uh anyway so um there's more there though so let's dig into it slowly first right. off you found the will right yes. oscar's will yes all right and it was locked up yes that's weird right it's weird that, that was the only thing I could find in that drawer. But yeah, I guess yeah. it's weird. Why? Why did you why did you lock up the will? Right. Uh, and the letter to Terry from Oscar mm. um was also like hidden under a drawer. Right. In a secret panel under a drawer. Yes. That's odd. Yeah. But you never unlocked the safe downstairs in the basement next to the room that has no light. I did not. I totally forgot if, about that. If you look next to uh that wall. There are uh, height markers. Yes, uh, different I saw heights. that. I saw that. All right. One of them was 1963. Uh, hey, who do we know who's obsessed with the year 1963? No, is that the year JFK was shot? It was. So oh Terry's obsessed with 1963 and going back and changing the past. That was the first, uh, that was the number I tried on the filing cabinet upstairs yep. first. Yep. Well, you, you had the right instinct. Dang it. You open it up, a bunch of morphine, uh, a tube. For tying off your arm, so maybe Oscar was a morphine addict. What? Um, he was also a pharmacist, but why did he keep it all there? And a letter to Terry's mom, uh, Oscar's sister, saying, I need your forgive- forgiveness um, because of the transgression I've tried to make my peace with it, and yada, 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 yada. And if, if you don't respond, um, I'll know that you can never forgive me. Wow. I'm sorry for what I've done, and, and right. yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. And it was returned unopened. So you're the one who who opens it. Oh, okay. So put it all together. The story is Oscar abused Terry. That's why I gave him the house. That's why Terry felt guilt gotcha. over getting the house. That's why Terry is spending the entire writing career trying to get back to 1963 and change the past. Wow. And that's why in book three, which he's just started, now uh, Russell has to go back in the past, not to save the president, but to save himself. And Terry's making real progress, I think. Wow, dude, that was good. That's like end of the podcast kind of depth right there. Yeah, how good was that? I, I love that little, Man, little I, side story. I can't believe I missed that. Which is cool that you can beat the game without having to do all of those things, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I totally cool. missed it on the first run through. That's what it, when I told you I was going back oh, to uh, check on nice. stuff. That's what I was... Because I was like, there's something different about Terry that I missed. Because it can't just be one side. There's something else missing there. Yeah. And I just Googled it and it said, do this. Yeah. And so, yeah, in the dark room, you find a uh, child's toy. 
uh, yeah. lighting a pile of firewood. Jeez, dude, that's dark. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's real so dark. So bring it back uh, a little bit to the light side. Well, a couple more um, game dev stuff, and then we'll get into more of our the gameplay stuff. So Gun Home won a bunch of awards. Uh, a bunch of Game of the Year awards was nominated for a bunch more. And there were, I get maybe just because it's a new game and the internet exists. We're not used to the internet existing when we play these games. There's a bunch of negative reviews. So I don't know if that's like just people trolling or if that's actually like people thinking this is bad. I, the biggest one I heard was, was the fact that it's a three hour game and it costs 20 bucks, which I get. Yep. That I get that. Yep. That's fine. That's a valid uh, critique. Yep. Uh, We've talked about that beforehand before though, that we don't feel that game length versus cost is, yes. is really that big of a deal. Exactly. Uh, if you do feel that way, go play Skyrim. You'll be fun. Yeah, hey, I'm on hour 85 of The Witcher 3, so there you uh, go. it cost me $22. So Yeah, and you've, you've <laughs> had a real emotional connection, just like with Gone Home. Oh, exactly. Same amount of depth and everything. Uh, so yeah, uh, did you see any other negatives in reviews or anything? Or I, I saw a bunch on Steam about questioning whether a game should have gay characters. Did not um, even read any about that. Which, I assume those is, existed, but... The funny thing is the ones that I read were worded almost as though it were like a really logical, rational question. Like, well, what do you guys think? Should that even be a thing that should happen? Uh, you know, uh, like any other facet of your life. Should games be allowed to have tall characters, right. black characters, female right. characters, anything? I don't know any tall um, people, so, so maybe yeah, if we could just not... I don't really middle. know what it's like to be tall. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's just be real clear. Uh, we oppose this. Uh, yeah. I also don't want to uh, conflate being being tall with being gay yes. uh, or being any of these other things. i just don't think that there's one aspect uh, right, of a right. person's identity in life that uh, should be excluded from the world of art. But way there to, you go. Way to COA there. Yeah, just want to be clear. Uh, yeah. And then we, I did find a good review on adventuregamers.com written by the great Emily Morganti. Thanks Emily. Ooh, just, thanks Emily. Yeah. For, for reviewing this game that we had nothing to do with. Uh, and from 2013, uh, which was a few years before she became the, PR consultant for Terrible Toy Box Games, the developer of Thimbleweed Park. So we're just Thimbleweed Park digging deep here at Men of Low Moral Fiber today. Uh, but yeah, so the game has of like six months. Its first six months, it sold over two hundred fifty thousand copies, and I'm sure it's done pretty dang well since. They just came out with the console version, uh, I think, last year. So yeah. I'm sure they sold a hundred thousand or more since then. So good for them. They've been really successful, uh, and looking forward to Tacoma by the same group of people coming out uh, or came out this week. So that'll be, yeah, we'll definitely play that. Uh, yeah, should we get into, and, um, yeah. One last thing to mention, the new version that, uh, or they recently released, I think within the last year, uh, a commentary track. So there's mm. director's commentary. It's an, I think an hour and a half long. Uh, so not too bad. You can go through it. If you enjoy the game, it's uh, probably worth listening to. That's cool. Definitely check that out. Gameplay. Gameplay. All right. It's a dark and stormy night in Portland. You've just returned from a year-long backpacking trip in Europe uh, where you got to experience the joys of the channel and Shakespeare Company books. Wait, Shakespeare Book Company. She gets the name wrong, but uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So um, you're home, uh, and you start to explore the house. And we started talking about just the fear of this game, how, how it develops horror. And a lot of it has to do with the lights. Another part, though, is that no one is there. And the game goes through uh, just a series of cryptic notes that you get mainly from your sister, Sam. And the mm -hmm. whole time you're wondering, where is everyone? 
Uh, Sam's not there. Your parents aren't there. Uh, evidently, uh, Sam's been having a, a pretty interesting life while you've been gone. And the rest of the game is just you putting that life together and finding out what's been going on with Sam for the last year. So, yeah, right when I walked in, I went over to the answering machine. I think it just plays automatically. But there's the, a couple. There, there's the voicemail that you left your parents that starts the game. And then there's the voicemail, a couple from someone that you don't know screaming for Sam. Yep. Which is another kind of bit of terror in your yeah. heart like when you start playing yeah. the game that if you knew all of the context wouldn't be as terrifying as it seems. Yeah. Oh man. So what yeah, what else did you notice maybe in the first hour or so that kind of made you first really enjoy the game? I was convinced I was going to get a jump scare for oh, yeah. the majority of the game. Uh and then I started trying to put together theories. Um so I'd love to hear some of your theories. I wrote some of mine down. Uh do you yeah. remember yours? Yeah, all I right. got a couple. So first one was Sam's killed everyone. Wow, um, okay. Intense. I don't know why. I don't know why. But Sam has killed everyone. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it had to do with her X-Files poltergeist fixation. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, she crossed over, became demonic or something, and, and I'm going to have to battle her in the last scene. Did you have a favorite um, magazine cover, by the way? Favorite magazine cover? Um, yeah, I did. Or, fi- you know, maybe uh, not the name of it or anything, but just a favorite it was, aspect it of was that. It was Groove Magazine, uh, nice. not the one with the Nirvana cover. Or not the one with Kurt Cobain. Um uh, the other one, but I can't remember why. I loved okay. it, though. I loved all the bands it referenced. I was like, oh, that is so my high school experience. That's fantastic. I love it. I like the, um, the Gentleman magazine. Oh, yeah, you did. That she was <laughs> like that. Uh, but only because at the bottom it said, finally, Jillian Anderson. Yeah, finally. It's a very um, small percentage of people looking at Gentleman magazine who are very hardcore into X-Files at the same time, I think. All right, so um, other theories. Uh, and this was a really strong theory I was really proud of. I was sixth sensing this okay. and thinking that maybe I was dead and I was the poltergeist because she's obsessed with, oh, man, Oscar, you know, there's so much weird stuff that happens in here. And it could be like every time I take something away, it urges me to put it back or I can put it somewhere else. What if every time I don't put it back, that's the ghost? Yeah. Like because I'm dead. I died in Europe and then I came back and I'm gone home now. Or whatever it was. Uh, some other weird stuff. Why are there moving boxes everywhere? The receipt says when you open it up that they moved in almost a year ago. Right. Why are there moving boxes everywhere? I was terrified that nobody's been living here for the last year. And that there's like a fake story made up. And part of that is just they're a normal family that doesn't unpack all their boxes? Uh, no, they, they're uh, doing renovations. So they had to pack oh, everything that's up. Right. There's, that's right. there's a bill in the kitchen that says uh, the renovations are done, so now we can start unpacking yeah, or something that's like right. that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I liked the, the ghost. I had definitely the ghost theory for a while that Oscar would be some sort of killing pe- poltergeist or something like that, especially when you find the Ouija board, right? Right. And it says something like, I want to come back. I want to come back from Oscar, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, another quote from uh, Steve Gaynor in an interview, he says basically, that uh, if you went to visit your cousin's house, who was 14 or whatever, and you found a Ouija board with a note on it that says, I want to come back from Oscar. Yeah. You would say, oh, this is just a normal kid yeah. doing Ouija board stuff with his friend. You wouldn't have any sort of terror that there's actually a ghost in this house. <laughs> so I was like, oh, true. that's a fantastic little, little trope that they played with there that isn't actually scary. Well, yeah, uh, and creepy Oscar was not creepy because he was a ghost or a murderer. Right. He was, he was great because he was a child molester. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Evidently. Yeah. Uh, the biggest, well, the, the first theory, sorry, not the biggest one was the storm warning. So it's like, Oh, maybe they yeah. evacuated. Cause it's the, the first room you go into. One of them, it has a, the TV has like a storm warning on it. 
yep. like, oh, maybe the family left and I have to like fend for myself. And obviously zombie attack is coming. I don't know why the zombie went in line with that, but it did. Uh, and then the last one, which you and I were talking towards the end of the game, we just, the biggest thing we were, were afraid of was Sam just being dead in the attic. Yeah. Uh, like we're definitely, they're leading us to believe this might be possible. And I could see that be still being like a good story, I guess, if that happened, but it just would have been so freaking sad. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't reflect on that. Like I just got to feel the fear of them yeah. possibly not there. I didn't stop and be like, wait, people wouldn't recommend this game if that was true. Like, yeah, that's that w- true. That would be terrible. <laughs> that's true. Oh uh, man. Yeah. So I think, uh, another aspect that I was thinking a lot that I thought about before I played this game was the walking simulator idea, Yeah, which is probably more true than false as far, you know, you don't, you're not punching anything. You're not building right. up your character or you're not crafting or whatever. Right. It's, it just struck me as interesting how the gameplay of the game isn't the fun part. Like and, you know, whenever you forget something downstairs, like you kind of roll your eyes, right? You're like, Oh, I have to spend 30 yeah. seconds walking across this house. That part sucks. It's kind of the opposite of Nintendo where they prize gameplay and like that medium of your hands on the controls and what you can do with that figure or whatever you're controlling as kind of the impetus to make a game. And they create a story around the gameplay where these start with a good story. These meaning this Firewatch, Tacoma 2, I'm I'm assuming they start with a good story and then they let the player guide themselves through that story. So it's very similar to reading a novel or watching a good movie. And the, the puzzles and the, I mean, you even talked about a puzzle that I didn't solve. The puzzles are secondary or even tertiary aspects of the game, but it's really the story that we remember and that we enjoy the most throughout. Kind of. Oh, okay. Let me, let me push back. Yeah. Because you said they, they just started with a good story. Okay. But the original story was it was a house in the future and there were six robots patrolling the house and you controlled the robots and it was basically a house controlling itself. Yeah. What game did you and, play? Yeah, exactly. Um, and as they got into it, they realized yeah. they had to to scale back. And yeah. gosh, that game sounds kind of lame. Yeah. Like, it's not this game. It's nowhere near yeah. as cool as this game. And that's the other thing I would point out is not only did, did they put story up front in terms of priority, but they had all of these different uh, constraints that the game gave them. That yeah. uh, the ability to make really, really complex moving parts kind of limited them with. So why is there no one in the house? Well, it's tough to create people in video games. That's a lot of work. Sure. There's dialogue trees, there's animation, all kinds of things like that. But half the creepiness is because there's nobody in the house. So yeah. it's one of those th- things where it works on both levels. First you do it, you make the decision because you just don't have you know, the ability and the time and the people to make a bunch of other characters that are animated. But the playoff is you say, okay, so how can I turn that into my advantage? Oh, I know. It's creepy because there's no one there. Boom. Right. Uh, you know, right. Firewatch worked in a very, very similar way. Yeah. It's creepy because you don't have anyone directly around you. Uh, but why don't you have anyone directly around you? Because that's difficult to make. Um, so I just love the constraints between those two, pulling back and forth between uh, not wanting to do too much and also trying to solve all your problems with the story rather than solving them with code. Yeah, making limitations feel like unique, special experiences that aren't limiting it's something yeah. that some of the greatest games of all time have done. That's the basics of, of poetry right there. Well, that's true. Meter, yeah. meter and rhyme, you basic constraints. You got to push against those constraints. You give them a blank page. That's tough. But you give somebody a meter and rhyme, all of a sudden you start making art by accident. Five, seven, five. Five, seven, five. And, that, and that's another thing I loved about the game was the fact they didn't pull the rug out from under us and say, 
surprise, it was robots or it was surprise. a ghost or alien or whatever it was that was this supernatural thing or, or a non human story. Oh, so you didn't get the twist ending. I did not. <laughs> I didn't actually finish the game, but no, I, right. <laughs> no, it was just the fact that it was, a, you know, it was a story about a family. Yeah. And that's all it was. And even though constantly we, I don't know if wanted, but we assumed that it would be other things or we're afraid there would be other things. And I think the most fulfilling ending was the one they gave us. And it ended yep. up just being a story of four people. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I love the way you put stuff together too, where not you, Jason, me, cause I put yeah. it together no, I too. I love the way I put really it together well. yeah. with just finding notes everywhere. And it never felt to me, I could see how it could see seem tedious to someone else. It never felt tedious to me, like finding notes on things, picking book up, books up and reading the liner notes or whatever it was, picking up magazines. It always felt like, you know how in like uh, mobile games, they perfected the art of whether like in-app purchases or like giving you rewards every eight minutes. And that's when the brain triggers. What yep. is it? Endorphins. Dopamine or some, some drug. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, it felt like that. Every time I opened up a letter, I was like, oh, cool. Like I yeah. get to open another letter. I get to learn more about the story and not, oh, I have to read this thing and try to figure out a puzzle. It never felt like yeah, a and the only place The only place where you get stuck is when you've explored everything. Yeah. You feel like, uh, where is it? Uh, and then you find the secret map and all of a sudden everything's fine. Uh, it's funny how you say the only place you get stuck and you and I got stuck in different places. <laughs> oh, I thought we both got stuck in the same place. Similar is... places though. And it was yeah. both a secret door or a secret yeah. map or something like that. And it was nice that we didn't have to tell the other person. We we're just like, keep, keep looking basically is what we said. Keep looking. Yeah. Yeah. Don't give up. It was nice to play a game. We didn't have to cheat on too. Yeah. Uh, a, a couple other great moments that were kind of, they, they twisted what you were thinking into reality. Uh, which was like the ghost, the Ouija board, that kind of thing, the Dia de los Muertos skull yeah. in the foyer. That at the very end of the game, you find out, it was just, I think it was a gift from Lonnie that she sent from a trip to Mexico. Hey, this is what I got in Mexico. Uh, the blood, like yeah, the blood all over the bathtub. Oh my gosh, that's terrifying. Like, oh my, so the, good. the bathtub's full and there's blood everywhere. And oh then my the, gosh. the tape player of Sam's message or her journal or whatever is reading. And it says, oh, we dyed Lonnie's hair today. And you look at the ground and there's a little bottle of red hair dye. Uh, yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just yeah. flipping horror that. tropes like that. It just made it a really nice, real grounded story. I like that. Yeah. That gave me a jump scare right there. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and just having to go down into the basement. I think going down in the basement, the basement might have been so huge too. It's so big. And oh that, that furnace. Oh, and the furnace did nothing. Did nothing. And it, that's, it's such a good balance of having all these red herrings, but not frustrating no. Like paths to go down and realize there's nothing there. They spent time to create that furnace um, or bought it from the asset store. Uh, on <laughs> sure. Right. Uh, but either way, you know, they, they invested in it. Um, and it's in, in so many ways, it's pointless. And yet it's one of our favorite parts of the game. You know, it created that fear for us. Yeah. Uh, it really changed the emotional state of the game. This game yeah. is so good at that. Yep. Any more gameplay stuff or is it time to move on to the quiz? I think we got to quiz each other. Is it up? did you write that i did i wrote that myself dude that's awesome and i had a question for you because i'm a long-time listener first time yeah, caller yeah, yeah uh west coast bias intro did you write that, that i music? wrote it and recorded it dude and produced it and mixed killer. it killer <laughs> it is killer it sounds so much like any sports news show that could be on espn or whatever nice like, it is fantastic so nice work man yeah if you guys uh guys or girls are into west coast sports at all check out west coast bias new podcast by me and jason is a guest host all right we have him on as a guest at some point a couple weeks ago yeah yeah we'll probably have him on again yay uh yeah so i will go first with the quiz 
Uh, and of you, of course, will be Gary. Yeah, I will. All right, I will go first. Uh, Jason, question for you. Yes. In the in the basement. Okay. Katie finds her mom's U.S. citizenship stuff. Yes. From what country did she emigrate? Canada. Nice. Boom. Remember when I first Katie saw it, I was like, I'm going to make a this bit. a question, and it still yeah, took me a nice while work. to figure it out. Nice work. All right, what do you got? So my first question is gone, so I had to rewrite this. Uh, so I my my quiz may not be going the same way as yours, but we'll see. All right. Name one Riot Girl band. Just one. Oh. Any any it doesn't even have to be from the game. I mean Sleater Kenny is always There you go. We'll take that. We'll take it. Alright. That's uh, a little uh teaser for, for it, my song later. Me too! Hey, I can't wait to see if nice. it's the same one. I'm glad we both went Sleater Kenny, because our Riot Girl catalog is so deep in our so minds. Deep. So deep. yeah, it's basically Courtney Love or Sleater Kenny. Like I wasn't gonna go Courtney Love, so yeah. Uh, what is Lonnie short for? Ooh, Yolanda. Nice. Yes. The and, which yeah. connects back to Pulp Fiction, because I was imagining the conversation they had after Pulp Fiction that they couldn't stop ta- teasing each other with Yolanda, nice, just yelling nice. out at each other. Yeah, it's on nice the uh, return address of an envelope that you find in the basement. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, second off, and this is uh, out of game because I'm, I'm really expanding things. Dude, I, mine's all in game because we played a nice. game. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, Name yeah. one song by the Dandy Warhols. And I can't. It wasn't in okay. the game. All of my knowledge yeah. in my life is from this <laughs> Sorry. game. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Heroin is so passe was the only one I could remember. Wow. Um, but yes, I do remember that band. And I felt like no one else on the planet did, but evidently some do. So I'm happy. Uh, question three for you. Uh, the last postcard Katie finds was sent yep. from Barcelona that she sent from Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the photo of on the front side of the postcard? La Sagrada Familia. No. Dang it. Do you like the confidence that I guessed? I know. I was though? very confident. I thought you, you've been here. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember it. Um, so it was Gaudi. Yes. A, a piece of Gaudi architecture. Yes. And it wasn't the cathedral. Uh, Park Well. Mm-mm. Uh, Do you remember the those- postcard? No, not at all. Oh, okay. I don't remember finding it. Uh, one of those weird melting houses. Yeah, Casamila. Yeah, Casamila. Yeah, nice. Couldn't remember right. the name. Wow, I'm I, got, I was in the right one. neighborhood. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. aware of yeah, yeah. Barcelona. There we go. Yeah. All right, um, third one for me. Nice. Okay, third one. You'll get this one. This all right. is an easy one. All right. What's what was your favorite asset in the game? Just of what you could. Just the, anything. Yeah, the one item that you found that you just absolutely loved, uh, either because of uh, for whatever reason. I like the magic eye posters. Yeah, you're wrong. No, you got this last one wrong. Dang it. No, I'm kidding. Ah. <laughs> it was, uh, it was Steggy. Oh, was uh, it Steggy? Steggy his name? Steggy. It was Steggy. Ste- Steggy? Steggy? It was Steggy. That was great. Um, yeah, dude, those magic eye posters were awesome. And not just because David Fox had spent uh, an afternoon with us showing us cool um, stereoscopic images of Thimbleweed Park. Yes, he did. Yeah, thanks, David, for, for hanging out with us last week, by the way. That was awesome. Um, yeah, we had coffee with David Fox last week. That was really, really cool. Yeah, he is nice. Well, yeah, let's move on to what's the beer? And what's the song? Gosh, I hope we chose the same Sleater Kenny song. This game's pretty fun. With frustration When I was all done I just had to question What's the beer? What's the song? I can't always tell I just want to know What game is Westy 12? 
All right, so Sleater Kenny's up first. We're going to go with the, what <laughs> is the song, singular, because we probably chose yep. the same one. And I'm going to go with uh, I Want to Be Your Joey Ramone. Yay, we didn't choose the same one. Oh, good. One of the the leaders, pioneers of the rag girl movement in the 90s, uh, they're out of Washington, which I think was where the uh, rag girl movement started. Uh, but yeah, always loved them. Portland, it came out a couple years ago. I just kind of like dove back into my Sleater Kenny love from the 90s. Uh, but it has some weird lines in it that reminded me of this game, just reading through lyrics of old Sleater Kenny songs. A couple of the lines that reminded me of this game. Pictures of me on your bedroom door invite invite you back after the show wrestle on your bedroom floor always leave you wanting more throw away those old records i was like oh yeah it was like a quarter of the lyrics from this song were written written as almost as if you were playing this game so yep uh and the whole, the whole idea of the song is subverting that kind of classic stereotype of the male rock god too and carrie brownstein is singing about how i could be your joey Ram- i want to be your joey ramone like, yeah not just guys can do this, but actually women can be great lead singers too that can be idolized by fans, that kind of thing. So just like that, this subverted the the kind of AAA title game. Yeah. You know, it, it cost a third as much, uh, but it, it took, it didn't just take stereotype characters and settings and storylines and aliens and guns or whatever, uh, but it gave you this unique experience, a very small experience, but also had more depth than almost any other game that came out that year. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so both of us evidently noticed that uh, the, the careful subtext that uh, Sam was gay. Yes. Um, because mine is A Real Man, also by Sleater Kenny. Nice. Which is a song um, not necessarily just about being gay, but not about needing men for, um, for satisfaction in life. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a pretty great song. I think that mine's a little bit more in your face, probably fits less of the romantic, cool vibe between Sam and Lonnie and fits more their zine of down with the patriarchy. Nice. Um, so check it out. Uh, younger listeners. How did you get this far? Uh, maybe go ask your parents what some of the words mean. Um, but yeah, (laughs) I don't know if our demographic is women under the age of 16, no, uh, I think we're okay. Yeah, I think we're safe there. Uh, and then my beer, I went with Mirror Mirror from Deschutes Brewery. You ever had that? Nice, nice. Yeah, I've had it. Classic wax toppy ones. It's not Mirror Pond. Oh, I've had Mirror Pond. What's Mirror Mirror? Yeah, Mirror Mirror is a barley wine version of Mirror Pond. Tasty. And just like this game, it's dark, it's sweet, and it's complex. And it's about 20 bucks. Nice. <laughs> nice. I decided to choose a beer that I thought, you know, I, I figure right after the credits, Katie was like, you know what, Sam, I'm, I'm happy for you, and I'm exhausted after this adventure I just went on, um, but I think I need to just go out and get a beer. Uh, so I thought, what beer can Katie get right now? And she could have gotten, historically, Bridgeport IPA, which is a fantastic IPA that they've been brewing for just over 20 so years, good. meaning Katie had a shot at it. Nice. Um, so I, th- I think Katie probably just sat down on that couch, uh, maybe rented a VCR, which you could do at the time. We didn't um, talk about that. Where were all yeah. the VCRs? Sam took them. All of them? Yes. She took everything of value in the house so she could sell them. Does it say that or you just assume that? No, that's, that's the assumption. And that's why, but it also explains why were her parents' drawers all upset. Sam was looking oh, for where yeah. they hid their uh, their sock full of money. Didn't need the condom. Or 
Or dad's condom. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. Gross. And okay. so we don't we don't know for sure whether Sam ever found. I guess that makes sense. A, uh, a money stash. Cool schmool. Cool schmool. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we have. Yeah, anything else for this game? I could talk about it for another hour or two, know, but um, you know we'll great. we'll have to hook up with our friends later to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Ready to talk about next month's game? Yes. All right, Jason. Jason. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, fell asleep for a second. Yep. Jason. <laughs> We play a lot of games here at Men of Low Moral Fiber. We average about one game a month. Uh, and it's going to take a long time to play all these LucasArts games. And, you know, especially that we're playing more than just LucasArts games, it's going to take a long time to play all the games we want to do here. So we're probably going to be doing this for a while. But I think it would be nice if we could just sit back, spend a month, and just play everything. Just play everything. How's that sound? That's, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, I can't, there's not enough hours in the day. So let's just let's just play everything. We are hilarious. Our next game is yep. Everything. Everything. Uh, that is the name of a video game. And we are keeping on the same theme uh, of Firewatch and Gone Home. The theme being not Walking Simulator, but Unity. Yeah. Unity created uh, video game. Everything. So, uh, this will also give you some idea of everything that you can do with Unity. Because, uh, wow, you can do everything with it. One cool thing about this game, the creator put together an 11-minute trailer for the game that was nominated for a um, short film festival that is a feeder to the Oscars, meaning, technically, this is the first video game to be eligible to be nominated for an Oscar. Uh, now, it's a pretty long shot, probably not going to happen, but it that's a possibility. So uh, that's one reason it's gotten a lot of fanfare. Um, I've played it. I've quote-unquote beat it. Uh, once you play this game, you'll you'll realize why I say quote unquote. Um, it's not really a beat this game kind of game, and I've probably put in about ten hours so far, and I've got about half the things that you can discover in it. But wow. it's very very free world. You literally can play as anything in the game. Um, I've been talking to Ben through it, and I've said, you know, hey, right now I am a duck, and now I'm playing as four aspen trees, and now I'm playing as a cloud. It sounds so frustrating. It's it is the exact opposite because you've got the, the sweet sounds of Alan Watts telling you that you oh. too are a cloud oh, throughout nice. the game too. So uh, all right, it's it's actually worked really really well in terms of giving you those little satisfaction things you were talking about, Ben, yeah. with uh, finding little notes and things like that. I mean, there's lots of things to find in it, and lots of surprise and new things. The cool thing is a lot of them you accidentally create for yourself. Oh, that's cool. Um, so it's it's really uh, it's a really cool kind of game. And everything is available uh, from uh, GOG. Uh, it's on PS4. It's on a variety of things. I think, yeah, I think just about everything. Oh, yeah. Look what I did. Wow. That's terrible. That's going to happen a lot. I apologize for all a the puns. A lot. Most of Next them will month. be unintentional. Yeah, probably. Anyway. I apologize for everything. Oh, wow. That was bad. Uh, hey, one quick thing I do want to plug is our Patreon page. Uh, for those of you who haven't uh, signed up uh, yet, please check that out if you're listening this far into an episode. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying what you hear. So if you do, uh, go over there and, and check it out. For $1 a month, uh, you'd help support us. That would uh, give us a big boost, help us kind of support our podcast, market it. Uh, and if for $5 a month, you'd actually get this podcast a week early. So congratulations to those of you who already do that. Thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, we couldn't do this without you, or at least we would do it begrudgingly. So thank you very much. Uh, and actually, for uh, for a short time, we actually have uh, one of our other Patreon supporters and, and uh, listeners, and also he's been a guest on the podcast, Nick Gates. Uh, has actually offered to 
to make a and d sheet, a character sheet and uh, avatar for anyone who signs up uh, this month, maybe next month too, uh, which is super nice of him. So thank you so much, Nick, for doing that. So if you go even a dollar a month, uh, Nick will make a character sheet and a D&D avatar for you. Uh, just kind of a caricature of of any type of D and D character that you might uh, that he might think you are, you might be able to have some input on it. But uh, but yeah, go ahead and sign up, and we'll figure that out in the future. So uh, yeah, thanks again to all of our Patreon supporters. Go check that out. Uh, we have a fun little video out there for you too. Uh, yeah, I think that's all we have for you. Thanks again for listening. Uh, you can find us online at menoflowmoralfiber.com. You can email us uh, at momfpod, M-O-L-M-F-P-O-D, uh, at gmail.com. Those are my two favorite things, men of low moral fiber and P-O-D. <laughs> but jam those together and you can email us. And hope you enjoy playing everything along with us. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next month. As always, I've been Ben. I will be Jason. And I am a mighty pirate. And I've known since, like, Shira. Oh, such a great line. <laughs> such a good line. See you guys. See ya.